and welcome to the Ambitions Podcast. I'm Lizzie. Today I'm joined by Pete Watson, Managing Director of Distract. And we've got an interesting topic for you today. We're going to talk about spelling and grammar and whether it's still relevant in today's working world. What do you think, Pete? I think it's one of those topics that has been debated since the beginning of time. Anyone who knows how I talk, for example, um, won't know that I actually did elocution lessons as like a kid. So my speech, for example, was always worse than it is now. And even today I speak incredibly fast. And I've got to try and slow down my speaking and make myself more understandable. It was very similar from like um, a written word perspective as well. I was pretty to get a D at GCSE and they were trying this new weird scheme where they put the kids that weren't going to pass with the, the super smart people of the, of the group to try and get them to level up. And thankfully I got a C and I passed GCSE English. But it's always been one of those things that I've struggled with. And when you're naturally not amazing at those topics, it always takes a bit more brain power to get the job done. So... I've always had to focus and try and kind of make myself more understandable, more comprehensible when it comes to those areas. So my understanding, my answer to this kind of, is it right, is it wrong, should we care, shouldn't we care, kind of go down down to the root of, we all have our own strengths. We all have our own weaknesses. Um, It's about understanding where you sit on that scale. If you're amazing at the written word, and that's what you do best, then, you know, that's what you do. I'm not. I understand that. But maybe I'm better at speaking events or maybe better at doing other areas. And it's just about having those two skills that's emerging them together. But I think it completely depends. Yeah. But you run a business, and which you've started from scratch. Several businesses, I should add. But within that, yes, you're a very, very good talker. We all know that. But what about the written side of things? Surely you've come across that in your job. Yes, you work for yourself, so you haven't had to go through a recruitment process. But what about writing emails? What about client? What about tenders? What yeah. about business development? I think so. Um, I've always been a fan of collaboration. So if you look at our business as a whole, there's myself, I'll run around, do podcasts, and there's Brad, who you'll never see ever in front of a video camera, who's very detail-orientated and will really focus on the small details. If I have something that's really important that needs proofreading 12 times over, I'll write it in my own words, and then I'll ping it across to Brad, or I'll send it to Mike, or someone else will kind of proof-check that work. Mm-hmm. The same way that... Brad is really detailed, but maybe he doesn't have the the thought process or the ability to conduct an argument the same way that I would. So then if he needs something written, I'll write the the kind of the bulk of it, the meat of it, and then he will then turn it into a more formalized context. So it's all about kind of understanding where you're at. I think that there's so many job roles out there, and you know, we, I don't think we can broad stroke and say that everyone needs to have incredible grammar. Yes, it's good to have grammar and uh, English ability, etc. But you know, if you're a videographer, you know, you don't have to be amazing at the written word to do that. You have to be good enough to get the job done. And I think there's a big argument that happens in lots of factors, which is you know, everyone needs to have amazing English, maths and science skills. When I kind of agree if we went back 40 years ago, but the whole landscape's changed. The creative roles have kind of popped up from nowhere and the world's really changed from the, from the outset. I think what you're saying though still is that it is important. So I 100% agree. Everyone has different strengths. Naturally, that's what makes everyone an individual and that's what makes some people suited to some jobs and others. But I think if you are, from a from a customer-facing point of view, what we are saying, I think, is that if you know you're not very good at English and your job involves using that, because I mean, we come up, it's something we come across, it's unavoidable, isn't it? It's, it's everywhere, it's what we read, it's what we write, and it's that impression that it gives to other people. So if you send a really badly worded, misspelt email, now... In a social situation, or someone you know particularly well, that might not matter. You might pay, I certainly do, pay less care and attention than if I'm sending an email to a client who I know that it needs to be word perfect. 
But I think what we're saying is it is still important. I think there's always going to be a place for it because it's so, so much a part of how that message is put across to somebody. A typo can change the tone of a, of a message and, and things like that. I think it's, I, I know what you're saying, but I think it's something that we shouldn't just forget about. It's something that young people, particularly coming through school today, should not be thinking, I don't need to achieve a level of English. You don't have to be really wordy. It's not about using really long words. I think just being able to write good quality content, whether it's an email, a text message, whatever, I think is a really important skill. I think that um, the basis of all this comes down to self-awareness. And if you know you're not amazing at one thing, then you find support to aid in that area. A good example is technology, right? So when I did my dissertation at university, um, as you can probably imagine, it was all over the place. The grammar wasn't great. The English wasn't phenomenal. But I used something called Grammarly. Mm. And I paid for this pro plan. It was maybe like 200 quid a year or whatever. Uh, and it completely reformatted my work. It gave me extra alternatives to use. It made it make more sense. And it guided me through that process. I think all we're going to see over the next kind of 10, 15, 20 years is this kind of uh, movement towards robotics. It's going to take away a lot of the legwork from needing to understand every nook and cranny of grammar. But I think you're absolutely right. You know, you can't go in there and be an absolute idiot when it comes to grammar, spelling, literacy. I think you do need a base level. But I think that we, if we go all in on saying you have to be this level of, uh, thing, of qualifications or whatever, you're going to lose so many talented individuals that just need a helping hand, that just need that bit of technology, that just need someone to, to proof check. You know, some of the greatest, you know, salesmen that I know are not amazing at writing at all. But on a phone, uh, direct mail, they're incredible. So would I still appoint that person because, you know, would I, would I say no to them because they can't do it well in written word? Absolutely not. I'm going to bring that person in because what they do is amazing on the phone. They're great at, at sales and they're going to bring in revenue for the business. Now, if I've got to appoint a admin that can just, just double check their work or just spot check it, then that's a business decision for me to make. But I think that if we just turn people down or said, you know, you're not good enough at grammar because of this and that and the other, if we can't get a job, I think you'll lose so many talented individuals because it's like anything, right? It's a sliding scale. And I, I really believe that you can't be amazing at one thing and then be amazing at the other. We all have our pros, we all have our cons. You know, I can't sit still. You know, I can't sit relax and really focus on something for seven hours. But because of that, you know, I do basically make my living from running around and speaking. Um, so you kind, of, you kind of get the pros and the cons. And for me... I've gone all in on my pro uh, and I've kind of forgot about the con and uh, Brad or Mike or Andy can pick up the con for me, uh, which makes me a more rounded individual. So I think the whole thing, it's a really, really good uh, topic, point, etc. The whole thing is it depends. Um, but I think like anything in life, the self-awareness, the understanding of what you're good at, what you're bad at really makes an, a, a difference. And we were talking before this about my book, right? Mm -hmm. And I wrote this thing out. And it was awful. Like, it literally made no sense. And Mike read it through it and said, you know, this is just all over the place, Peter, to start again. Uh, and then it went to a publisher and they completely reworded it, pulled it all together, made it make sense, and then it's gone out, off to be published, right? If I had just gone out there and been, you know, egotistical Pete and just published it, then it would have read awfully and everyone would have laughed at me. But because I was self-aware enough to know that this actually isn't my strength, that I need to go and get expert opinion on this and some support then hopefully it's a decent book. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> I like the way you got your plug for your book in there, Pete. <laughs> Do you want to give it a shout out? What's the title of your book? No, I'm going to leave it to the, to the mystery, to the air, because I feel like if I do too much promo right now, I'm going to get hate. So one of my questions is going to be, and you kind of answered this, is you own companies, you employ people. Somebody sends you an email begging you for a job. They really want to work for you, but it's spelled terribly. Lowercase I's, not capital letters. 
it's awful. What do you do? So um, first and foremost, if anyone sends me an email asking for a job, they won't get an interview because we're a creative agency. And if you apply for your jobs via email and you hope that I reply, you're an idiot. They hope you're well. Yeah. It's just like, let's be real here. You know, I, I actually don't know how many people have emailed our careers email because I don't check it. You know, it's, it will be thousands, I would I mean, I'm not sure you should say that. It'll be thousands. I mean, I'm not in charge of HR. Let me just put that out there. Okay. I don't do the sitting <laughs> process. Yeah, just to clarify just, for that If point. anyone does want a job and distract, don't email your yeah, CV I mean, to the careers email. I, I did a talk at the University of Lincoln and I said, uh, we are recruiting, but please don't send a CV via email. If you send anything any other way, I will guarantee you a job interview. And, they, and two people applied out of a room full of 200 or whatever it was. And they did direct mail. Someone sent a balloon in a box. Someone sent something to an AstroTurf because I was talking about it on the on the event. They made it relevant. They both got job interviews. So I think that first and foremost, if someone's sending spelling errors, I'm thinking, well, they're not really a detail-oriented person. So sure, hopefully they're creative, right? But if they're sending so me a CV, is a positive. Yeah, I would say that hopefully you've got some creative tendencies. So let's see if that's in action. And me replying to your email is not me seeing in action. Let's see if you send something direct mail. Let's see if you send something in a unique way. So I think, like I said, it's more about self-awareness. If you're not very good at detail, grammar, literacy. Don't send an email. You know, do something else. Okay, let's talk about emojis. Okay. What's your take on those in the professional world? I think it's perfectly acceptable depending on your role. It depends what you're doing, right? If you're a solicitor, sending an emoji to a client probably isn't ideal. But if you're running a, an ad campaign, maybe it'd be beneficial. Like maybe there's some upside for you. So again, it, it's all, it all depends. Everything depends in life. The interesting thing that is from my perspective is that yeah, my main business is a creative advertising agency, yeah. right? Let's just, that, that's the long story short. I mean, we do own a legal like conveyancing practice. We do own a mortgage company, but my perception is always going to be actually, I mean, and let's be honest, in Fletcher Longstaff, the conveyancing firm, you know, the MD Tom is going to be like, well, actually, I need someone detail oriented. I, I don't want any emojis. I want you to, you know, that's going to be one thing. But for a creative advertising agency, I'm looking for much more than can you write an email. Um, Which is interesting, isn't it? And I think that should be really encouraging to any young people that may listen to this is that, if you struggle or perhaps if you have dyslexia or dyspraxia and, and spelling English is never going to be your strong point, however much train, however much you learn, however much you practice, it, you know, some people might feel quite, that might affect their confidence in that they don't feel like they can communicate. But actually, from what you're saying, it is it is true. You just learn what your strengths are and play to your strengths. Whereas me, sat here in a sort of a traditional recruiter where in a world where CVs, do, we talk about they're playing less and less of an importance, but uh, but they are still important right now. I would 100% judge a CV if it, that was littered with spelling errors, particularly if it's somebody that's going into sort of an administrative role mm. or a senior role where you expect that people are able to communicate at a certain level. Yeah, completely agree. It, everything everything depends. That's the overall with, with, with all these things. Like, you know, if we go back to when I was, I don't know, 14, doing my elocution lessons, I wasn't great at speaking. I'd slow my words. It'd be hard to understand. Though that year of elocution lessons, whatever it was, got me to the point where I'm better. And now I basically speak around for a living, essentially. And if I hadn't understood that I was weak at, spell, at, 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 at kind of uh, how I pronounce words and slow my words, if I hadn't realized that for that year, would my career now be speaking? I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. But understanding what you're bad at, trying to work on it, but then not focusing on it too much is the key, I think. Yeah. I mean, even in a creative industry like yours... When you're writing your adverts, for example, which I know you have a team of people that do that, words are so important, aren't they? Because you've got such a limited amount of people's attention span and you really need to fill those words really thoughtfully and carefully in order to maximise people's interest. I agree. But then if we look at, 
something I saw on the other day. There's a bit of software, and I think it's called Copy.ai. I don't know the ins and outs of what it might be called something different, but I think it's called Copy.ai, and that will that will literally write your copy for you through artificial intelligence. So like e- even to the point of like. And obviously now the team Maybe there's some staff in your office feeling quite worried about their jobs right now. I think that anyone who doesn't understand that AI is going to take away a proportion of the workforce is, you know, you should be concerned. I think that things like creativity and will always be skills that are required. But I think that if I was an employee right now, I'd be looking at the upcoming developments of AI, robotics, um, working remotely. And I'd be thinking, how can I make myself 100% required? Like a, a, like a really good example would be, and this is complete, I just have some topic now, is if we look at working from home for the last year, what that actually did was it, it proved to employers that they don't need their staff in the office. And if you've proven that, then the question goes, do they need to be in the UK? And then they go, well, do they need to be even in an English-speaking country? I've seen uh, videos of um, Chinese workers stacking shelves in shops from their home because they've got robots stuck in the shelf. So, so if we go down that route in another five to ten years, we literally could have people in third world countries stocking the shelves in spa. Yeah, which is a super interesting topic, again, because there's actually something we've talked about a lot, quite a lot today on today's recording of the season six of the podcast, and there's quite a bit of that in some of our other episodes as well, but maybe we should get you on again to talk hogging, about that. I'm hogging topic, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> maybe we should get you on another one to talk about that, because it sounds like you've got some strong opinions. Always. As always. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, Pete. That's been great. Thank you.